Today on the Extra Podcast, we are switching it up. I am talking one-on-one with Pastor Jeff about the year that was, the highs and lows, the ups and downs, both in his personal life and in the life of this church. We also hear his heart going into the new year and what is to come. Enjoy the episode. All right, so Jeff. Adam. The Christmas season is almost over, I think. Well, we're just, we're reaching, we're reaching its uh, pinnacle, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you've been spending a lot of time preparing sermons and diving deep into the Advent season. As you do that as a pastor, what, what things have been fresh on your mind in your daily life, in how you are living with your family, in your extracurriculars, and all the things that are happening? What is jumping out at you from what you're studying for a sermon and what are you what are you really pulling out and bringing into your life this season? Well, the series that we did this year was uh, especially focused on the uh, what hope, peace, love, joy, those sorts of things, which is interesting to me because uh, if I were to tell you this last year, uh, if there were words that came to my mind about things that I struggled with, it would be joy and peace <laughs> and hope, which is funny. I mean, I, th- I find that providential that God has made it so that that I've been studying some of that stuff or thinking about it. And so I, it's been very helpful to me to revisit it. I actually, <clears throat> I know that there's a there's a lot of people who are talking these days about how you don't want to look past the first advent to the second, you know, the second advent, the, 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 Jesus is returning, right? So the first advent is when Christ came in the incarnation, and then the second advent is his glorious return. But I've noticed, and I, I agree with what they're saying to some degree, <clears throat> we, we can sometimes look past the Incarnation and not focus heavily on it and only see it as a signal to the Second Coming. But I, I have been very compelled recently about the Second Coming of Christ and the Christian hope, and uh, maybe it's just because so much of the, what the Bible talks about in having peace and joy and hope is, revolves around the new heavens and the new earth that I've been really, um, that's encouraged me. Uh, a lot, uh, yeah. So that's what I've been thinking about, and, and even my family. I've been, um, yeah. We talk about that kind of stuff a bit. You know, it's not when you're pastor and you're, you're just like anybody else. When you go and you do work during the day, you come home and you explain stuff to people about what you're going through. And so that's what's been happening. I've been sharing that with my kids and others. Yeah, and that's one of the questions I have when I when I think about that is, for someone whose daily job is studying the Bible teaching the Bible, um, oftentimes in meetings with prayer and, and things like that. Do you find, are, are there challenges outside of work hours for you to have the desire or, or do you have, like, how do you approach your personal faith outside of work hours? Do you, mm-hmm. yeah, what does that look like for you? So I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of, <clears throat> of integration. So when I'm using that language of integration, I'm saying that the I don't necessarily believe that uh, there sh- there needs to be a, a second devotional life when you're studying scripture all the time. That that scripture actually should be devotional. So there's not quite. I would never. I would never view it as um, this is my work Bible study, and this is my non-work Bible study. For me, it's all non-work, and in some cases, it's all can all be work as well. You often are thinking to yourself when you're studying something. Oh, that's a really interesting passage or thought, and I wonder. If that's something that that the Lord would have me bring up later, this passage or it might link in, it's you'd be shocked at how often what you're reading <clears throat> for your personal life 
uh, ends up finding its way into, you know, so you're reading through Matthew or something like that, and you're seeing certain trends and thoughts that are conveyed, and maybe you're doing a series in Romans, and you're starting to say, oh, that's a very similar thing, and so you end up bringing those things up in some sermons that you're doing. But I always... I just I just believe in integration as a general rule for almost everything. I think I brought this up in a podcast recently that I I I don't like the idea of a, a split between the sacred and the secular. That it seems to me that everything that you do in your life should be imbued with a, a sense of the divine. I know that sounds really churchy, but I mean like you sh- everything we do is worship to God. And uh, there's a way for me to fold clothes that are faithful to you know that with an attitude of faithfulness to my family that's actually worship to God and you know obedience to his call to be a good father does that make sense yeah <clears throat> so i don't want to just not not think about you know doing the dishes or or you know in my in my workplace or the vocation like if i were a police officer so there's a way to be a police officer to the glory of god there's a way to be a firefighter to the glory of god there's a way to be a day trader to the glory of god and i i want to incorporate the kingdom of god and all those things i would think even in my you know uh baseball coaching or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I actually listened to last week's podcast that I wasn't a part of. I listened to it last night. And you know what? It was it was somewhat of a revelation for me personally, and I found it um, quite enlightening and gave me... I mean, the topic was peace. It gave me a sense of peace and, and almost took a, a weight and a burden off as a, as a young dad of three young children. And like you said, laundry, again, last night was folding laundry. It's like life is busy. Sleep doesn't come easily. Mm. Early mornings to try and wake up extra early for devotions, which mm. often get disrupted by kids who choose to wake up before they're supposed to. All of these things have in the last several years created somewhat of that burden of like, I don't know if I have a robust faith because it's so difficult to find the time for those quiet moments, for those deep Bible studies. And I'm not going to as many. And those are all valuable, right? Yeah, no, of course they are. And if we had all the time in the world, we would, we would do that. Yeah. The problem is is we don't. (laughs) Right. But it's also in this season of, of, uh, for me personally, is is feeling that connection of like you said that that pe- having peace with God does not depend on those things, right. and that was sort of where that revelation came from. It was like being in a season where that is not those things don't come easy, and yet I am still having intentional conversations with my kids at bedtime, or I am mm. teaching them the Bible at, at at bedtime, and these things that because I'm not intentionally doing quiet time every morning or whatnot is, does not mean I don't have peace with God. Right. And that's where it was like, oh, that's a breath of fresh yeah, air. Yeah, so as a pastor, my my goal is to, is to you know, incorpor- incorporate, and I, listen, I hope, people people oftentimes, I, I, I've had people, you know, my, my sermons tend to be very personal, and by that I mean that that I incorporate lots of personal stories and other things, and there's a reason for that. It's I mean, one of the reasons is because, uh, you know, I want to help keep people's attention, but also also because I I mean I really do want to show how this stuff actually plays itself out in the way that I think and live. And does it make sense? Mm-hmm. And that it's not just a I'm not just preparing a sermon so I can preach it and 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 have you say it's good or bad. You know, the act of it itself, the rhetoric or the or the oratory is good. What I what I want 
is for you to see that this stuff actually does affect me too, right? The hope that I preach about is hope that I, I want to have. And the peace that I preach about is the peace that I want to have. And I'm hope I'm hopeful that during the week it's gotten inside of me to the level that I'm able to convey, you know, how how this is working out in my life, right? And mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm an I'm an interesting case in the sense that I don't, I, you know, I have my own emotional, you know, m- m- medically <laughs> diagnosed emotional challenges, and so mm-hmm. uh, that creates a certain lens that you see some of these things like peace and joy and hope through. Yeah, yeah. So when you reflect back on the year that was, stepping away from the immediate Christmas season, but it's also a time of reflection of the year that was and looking forward to the year to come for many people. Um, what are some of the moments, defining moments perhaps, in your own personal mm-hmm. life or even in the life of ministry that you think are, in the past year, have been somewhat mm-hmm. critical to to life for you personally and for the life of this church? Yeah, um, well, I mean, the first one that comes to mind is the p- departure of my dear friend Steve Weens from our staff. Uh, uh, I think it was February uh, that he he ended up leaving, or mid late January. Um, and the two of you came to the church around the same time. Uh, I yeah, I hired Steve. Uh, I think a year year after I, or yeah. set three few months after I become the lead pastor. Mm. Uh, he was on our elder board before that, and they they lived in Abbotsford for twenty five years or so. And uh, they're they're doing great. They're in Vancouver now, and uh, his wife is a uh, pastor at Tenth uh, Avenue Alliance Church, which is awesome. And Steve's involved in, in back in the marketplace. But you know that was a big shift for me. He and I had been, I mean, really close confidants for the for the last number of years, and uh, you know I I trusted him with everything, mm-hmm. and uh, still count him as a great friend. So. Uh, that was hard. You know, it's hard whenever something like it happens, especially when you had, you know, we were on the cusp of, hey, let's let's uh, multiply churches. What does that look like? I don't know yet, but we'll figure it out. And I know it's going to require us to raise some money, and we know we need to build a building, and we know we need to see if we can multiply those churches by, you know, training pastors and stuff like that. And so we were asking people to lean into that financially and with their hearts and prayers. And then all of a sudden, your executive pastor goes. There's this feeling of like, whoa, okay. Um, but you know what? The Lord's been super faithful, and that process of um, transition uh, it goes to show you that the Lord has been. It always goes before you, and in, in ministry, in, in, in all of our lives, right? So I looked. You know, we looked around, and we realized that we had the people already kind of here who could mm-hmm. fill the fill the roles in in ways that. Steve was, you know, it was very easy for Steve to get tired because he had just so many things he had to take care of. And so now we've split that role into basically two pieces and then added a third with Mark Birch here uh, to take care of some of the, the to all the multiplication and leadership development stuff. So I'm, so it's turned out really well, but yet at the same time, there's still bittersweet, right? Because mm-hmm. on the one hand, you knew it's turned out really well and you can see the Lord's hand in it. And yet on the other hand, bitter because, uh, you know, Steve, I love him. And uh, mm-hmm. loved working with him, and will forever count him. Yeah, uh, forever, forever be grateful to God for His presence here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was hard. And then, you know, the emotional challenges I started to face toward uh, the summer months when I realized that I—I I mean, I was—I was in a place where I was wasn't sure I was going to be able to continue in in ministry. And that sounds weird, but I just—I I was so tired and emotionally drawn, and had stuff suffered. Or struggled anyway with 
with depression, kind of repeated depression, and didn't know what was wrong. My wife kept telling me, you should go to the doctor. And, you know, us guys were like, whatever, doctors, you know, they're, what do they know? Uh, so, and then there's this attitude like, well, you just, just be able to toughen up and deal. I'm just tired or I'm just, I'm, you know, I just, when my wife was saying to me repeatedly, yeah, but you're not just tired. It's just, you get so, so easily down and, uh, which is odd, odd. When I say odd, it's happened to several points in my life. And when it happens, you're like, yeah, it is odd. So I finally went and listened to my wife and went to the doctor and, you know, was diagnosed with ma- major depressive dif- disorder, which is, which is, I'm, you know, that's fine. And uh, some other stuff that they pointed out um, and got on some, I've got on some medication, which I think is great. And it's helped me quite a bit. Um, still have to fight the fight and I'm able, I, this is a lovely psychiatrist that I see. And uh, the summertime was basically filled with, though, me recovering. It's funny that I, you know, sometimes people say, well, what's the best book you've read this year? Or what's the best? <laughs> Honestly, I, I had to cut way back on the books I was reading because I just didn't have the mental framework for it, mm-hmm. you know? I just, I felt, you know, you, you can burden yourself. I should be reading the newest books. I should be doing these sorts of things. And so part of my Sabbath, I guess, was to say I, I don't need to. I actually am just going to let it let it be. And uh, so I'm not as up to date on all of the new books. I've read several that I think are good, but not nowhere near as many as I have in the past. So, yeah, that's happened. And then this fall, you know, the the whole, you know, especially Mark Birch coming along and the multiplication stuff and some of the conversations I've been in regarding church planting around Canada. Man, I am just so excited about that if you if I could have had everybody on my shoulder you know like you know if we'd done the Instagram live stuff then it would have been fascinating people would be really buzzed by all that and some I, I'm hoping along with you Adam that we'll be able to convey some of the excitement around around that in the days ahead I mean I'm also excited about the building and the possibility that we have to be moving forward with that and how the Lord has gone before us in that and has provided some really cool ways to show us that this is the right time and this is the right move so I'm, uh, yeah, I, I, I am ending this year in a better place than I have ended probably any year of ministry I've been at Northview. And a lot of that has had to do with just, you know, addressing some of the mental health issues, emotional health issues that I've, I've been dealing with. Hmm. Did you find a difference in your prayer life or your spiritual life or even your thoughts when you started to just pull back from reading and studying and, and, and taking yourself away from some of those commitments. Was the Lord saying anything to you or revealing yeah. anything or like what was... So, well, if you, maybe 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 it is a revelation. I don't know. Um, I, I will tell you this, that I have uh, come to realize that I don't... You know, God doesn't love us because we're so good at stuff or because we work really hard at things. Should we work hard? Of course. You know, of course we should. And that's not my problem. I, I hold myself to a standard that's really probably beyond... Uh, anything accomplishable, and then if I don't reach it, I beat beat myself up, right? Even in even in the small things like conversations that I might have or whatever, and I walk away from them and think, well, did I say the right words and did I help them like I should have? And you know, and if I didn't say the right words or I, you know, a joke didn't go off the right way or whatever, I just kill myself for it and say, ah, oh, my goodness, you're just useless and terrible. And and uh, I've come to the conclusion that. Uh, it's okay 
to just be what 70% good at something or 40% do you, do you know what I mean like I, it's it's okay it's okay uh and I want to be 100% good at everything uh, I'm not I'm yeah. not 100% good at everything yeah. and it's okay to be that person so I'm 47 years old and I've I'm I hope I'm getting to the point where I'm recognizing what my limitations are what I'm able to do I mean I know I'm going I know I'll, I know I'll let people down over and over again and that's the challenge that I have because uh, I don't want to, and yet at the same time, I just know by the nature of who I am and my limitations, and I I will, and I'm kind of just not worrying too much about it anymore, uh, and realizing that you know the Lord loves me, in uh, even even in that. I I think as someone that has not been on staff until just recently, but just as someone who attends this church, I think one of the things that's given me great. Um. I guess peace about being at Northview, um, coming from from a church previously that had a pretty uh, nasty falling out with with senior leadership was, um, I guess knowing and having enough conversations with you that it, it your, you know, your passion for developing leaders who, yeah, I guess it wasn't this church isn't solely dependent on you. No, better not be right, but that, <laughs> but that you're, but also that you're, you are, you're, you're open and honest with everyone to some degree of of not being perfect. And I think we're starting to see with social media and stuff, we're starting to see these celebrity pastors that their whole mm. lives are curated and put on display. And there's starting, at least for me, to become a sense of skepticism. Of you know, we've there's a few, you know big newsworthy you know <coughs> celebrities that have a falling out of the faith or it's uncovered that something is is going on behind the scenes and so there's that level of skepticism of some of these pastors where everything looks so perfect and put together and i think for me i find a great amount of relief to know okay our pastor's not perfect but he knows that yeah. and and he's supported by so many great leaders, and you surround yourself with great leaders, right? And there, I mean, there's. I want to make sure that you you know look. There is a there's a biblical kind of example though of Paul saying, "Follow me as I follow Christ." And I think every pastor wants to. Say, I want to say that. I want to say, look, if you live the life life the way that I am living it, it it's a healthy way to follow Jesus. I don't always feel that way, but part of my honesty comes from from that. That mm. I just, I just think that it should be realistic. Does that make sense? Yeah. That that I'm I am you, and you are like very much like me, and I struggle with uh, emotional challenges, and I struggle with uh, anxiety, and I struggle with uh, you know wanting my kids to win and not knowing what to say at the sports thing when I you know and, or to the to the principals of the schools and how do I say that in a way that and leading p- staff or having these you know. You know, having a good marriage, I'm, all of that is is just the stuff of life. That's where we live. Um, mm-hmm. I think that some pastors in the past make it sound like their lives are just so unique and different. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're traveling all over the world. And they're doing all these grand things. I'm like, who, who? I mean, who's like that? Yeah. You know, and so in, in the, as a result, I hope that people, when they come to Northview, recognize this is a place that 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 people all this all different stripes and varieties can be at because we're kind of all in this together 
Yeah, something I've been pondering just the last few weeks as I, you know, think about Christmas, think about Jesus coming to earth as a baby, being human, and and what that means, and, you know, that he can relate to our sorrows or our struggles um, because he lived this life fully human. I, I've been reflecting on that, but also what that means for our leaders as well and, and the humility that is presented of when you are preaching a sermon of finding joy and and having peace, but also acknowledging the fact that you don't have it perfectly figured out. Mm-mm. It, for me, as someone just sitting in the congregation and hearing that it's still a challenge mm. for you, the pastor, gives me great peace to know. Because it's, it's a challenge I, for you too. It's a, it's a <laughs> challenge totally, for me, and it's not, it, it's I don't, I don't, us. It, we're not presented with, no. the, oh, there's Jeff up there, if only I could be like him. It's no. saying, no, he's just like me as well. well. It's one of the things I like we're about, in this. one of the things I like about Northview is, I mean, I don't know of any of the pastors of this church that aren't just genuine people. I mean, they're, they're delightful. They probably wouldn't fit very well in the culture of the church if they were, were, too, too uh, I don't want to say uppity because that sounds wrong, but you know what I mean? Too distanced from people, things like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and there are lots of, I mean, that's the cool part about Northview, as you said before, there's a lo- lots of leaders here and there's a lot of um, power that is diversified. Like, it, like it's it's not in one role and it's it's widely held. And so the hope is in the days ahead, we'll, you know, the church is not open to being ruined or hurt by, you know, one person mm-hmm. struggling or falling on their face, mm-hmm. uh, which we all do, but, you know, we want to pursue Christ. And yeah, anyway, I could talk about that for a while, but I'm meandering now. Yeah, no, I want to I wanna pick up on something you said before and also thinking back to something you shared at the AGM. Um, and since you shared it there, I think it's... Fair game, but uh, I remember you with your fair game. Yeah, I remember sitting on a bus with you ten or eleven years ago on a staff fun day. Was it a f- was it fun? Uh, it was fun. Okay, and, and I don't know if you were having fun. You purposely. So, what is sat a staff fun day though for the people who are listening? Uh, in the summertime, uh, every year the staff of Northview it's planned through I don't know maybe the fun committee if there's we have a fun I think we do have a fun committee committee. Uh, (laughs) it's our version of the party planning committee yeah 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 (laughs) but they plan a staff fun day it's sort of like you know they break up into groups so you're outside of your normal ministry group so you're mingling with other pastors and other staff and getting to know people better uh, team building, that kind of thing. But uh, they do. We've done various things. I've actually uh, that might be the only one I've been on, or maybe two. Um, but I was an intern that year, so I got invited. And uh, I, I sat on the bus next to you. I think you were a little bit like, really, you're sitting ni- near me. You brought a book. That is not true. And you, you brought a book. And when I sat by you, you you're, and I said, "This is going to be fun." You're like, "Yeah, I'm really." It was probably a joke, Adam. Anyway, you. We, we ended up having a great conversation, and um, I had recently come to the church m- in in many reasons because I heard you preach at Sola. Uh, and Which was used to be our young adults young ministry. Young adults ministry, ago. yes, and I've shared my story a little bit, so I don't need to go into it, but I, I still had hesitation about the large church, but through hearing your, you preach, it kind of broke down the wall of like, oh, they actually preach a really deep gospel theology at this church. That's not what I assumed happened at Northview. I thought it was a very fluffy, whatever, seeker-sensitive church. Um, That was my naive um, young adult assumption. 
But on that, I think on that bus trip you shared, I don't know what God has for me in my future. Am I here for, for forever or am I going to get called somewhere else? Do, like, I have ambitions to maybe I do want to write books. Maybe I do want to go on speaking tours. Maybe like I don't know what the Lord would have for me and I don't know if that's here. And I was like, oh no. And that kind of made me nervous. And But you said, but I have a, a track record or a history of leaving a place better than I found it because my my purpose is not to just come and and preach and whatever it's to develop leaders Mm. and to see health and to see the entire organization become to thrive and for for other leaders to to rise up so that like you you said to me then if and when it is time for me to leave i have it it shouldn't be something that is feared and i don't think that's where but going back to the agm you sort of brought that up that in this in this season in this year of of questioning and going through some dark moments those thoughts started to come up and maybe you could just share that a little bit and then how you came out of that and then what you announced at the AGM yeah it's funny that people have said that it's an announcement that i made I, I, <laughs> it wasn't really I didn't think it was people cheered i know cuz why wouldn't they uh it's funny, too, when someone recounts a story of your meeting that you had 10, 11 years ago, and uh, I, I remember, I think I remember sitting next to you, and I'm thankful that I said something valuable, uh, or that does reflect I think you also things. said, yes, but Mary Bonnie, she's great. I did. Was I right? <laughs> yes. a boy. See? Do what I say. Uh, look, I, um, what you were getting, when I came to Northview, it was supposed to be like a three-year thing. <laughs> As a young adults pastor, like that's mm. what the plan was, and I was going to go off and either do, do a PhD somewhere else or go and pastor a church, yeah, probably in the U.S. Uh, yeah, that that a, a church that at the time reflected kind of more of my flavor and whatever. So you were getting me kind of the front end of the lead pastor thing, and you were Charlie. Ta- you were talking to a guy in their thirties, you know, mid thirties, who was like, "Oh my goodness, how in the world did this happen? Like, are these people crazy?" FOMO and what's happening over there and yeah, that other city. So I um, so I said those things in terms of like my sticking around and stuff because I really didn't know. I mean, I was like, "Well, my attitude when I first took the lead pastor role here was, look, if I can give five years to this." And the church is, in, you know, I think I can add some value, or, and I think I can, I can help the church uh, buy into an idea that you can, both, you can be both really biblically faithful and really culturally competent at the same time. And, and I think some churches go one way or the other, right? They just sell, I don't sell it, well, I'll use the language, sell out to the culture, they capitulate largely to the culture, and try to speak the language of everybody, but don't really, you know, like you said, get real fluffy. But then... Some go the other way and are like, well, we're going to defend the, you know, the Bible at every turn and just make sure that we're, you know, it's the holy huddle here. And I just, I just think you can have both of, I still stand by the idea that you can have both of those things, cultural competence and biblical faithfulness. Uh, So I thought, well, five years I could, I could add that, you know, if we could turn the church to that direction. There were things, of course, we were doing that reflected that and things that I didn't think we did, we were at the time. So, okay, maybe that's my part to play here. As time went on, uh, and as God surrounded me with, honestly, with people who were more capable than I am uh, um, of bringing that along, and you could just see the pastoral team building, and 
I started getting to the conclusion that, wow, this is, I mean, the Lord can do some really cool things here. And then in, you know, year 10 or 11, I was thinking, well, what, what now? Especially when Steve left, I was thinking, well, what, what now? But, you know, the, the opportunities that exist here uh, for the days ahead in terms of having an impact in Canada are pretty remarkable. Mm. And I, uh, after having conversations with lots of, lots of people, I don't think that my ministry here is complete. And by complete, I, I think that the Lord has given me a work to do here that uh, needs, needs to be done before I would ever consider going anywhere else. And I know people have asked questions and stuff about that because I'm not from here and, you know, American stuff, but I'm, um, I just became a Canadian. I'm, in fact, my Canadian citizenship is, I just have to go to the swearing in ceremony. Mm-hmm. Um, so my family is all, is all Canadian now, which of course my mother was Canadian. So she, you know, she died eight years ago. She would be thrilled. And, uh, I'm very proud of that. And I think it's awesome. And that, that came as a result of us saying, you know what, we, we, I think that I'm going to be here. I, I plan to be here for 10, 10 mm-hmm. or more years beyond now because I think that the, the role of planting churches, the kind of ministry that we can have going forward, the things that need to be done, even with a building and the things that need to be done, I think, in terms of reaching out to the city and ultimately to the Fraser Valley and Lower Mainland, man, we are in such a cool spot to do that. And I really, really, in the deepest part of my being, believe that God has called this church to this time for this, for this job. And I would be a fool uh, to leave. And I, e- even if I wanted to, at this point, I, I wouldn't, because I really do believe that it's an, it's an act of, like, I think this is where God wants me to be. So if my opinion changed and I was like, well, I don't really feel it's hard and stuff, I still think, well, hard, smart. It this is this is what I should be doing it with my life, and uh, which of course means, you know, this might be the work of my life. This might be, you know, Northview might be the ministry of my life, which is weird, you know, to think about because you kind of back, kind of backed into it, <laughs> and to think, okay, well, maybe this is the case. And of course, I mean, you always have, you always hold out. Everybody holds out. That's my intention. Everybody holds out the possibility that the Lord might do something else, and there might be need somewhere else, or the church might get sick of me, or whatever. Uh, my my goal is is to, however, though, is to leave Northview in a far better place than even it is today. Uh, by the time I leave, hmm. and uh, my hope is that the people who come in after me. Uh, we'll be able to reap the benefits of some of the seeds that were sown during this this time, and that they they could say actually, you know, the the kinds of engine that they built back then is what's pushing us forward. I think I reap the benefits of Vern Heidebrecht and others who did that years ago. Yeah, yeah. So that's part of the reason I want to push for the building, and I want to push for that. I just want to set this thing up so 50 years from now, Northview Community Church is having a major impact in in Canada, mm-hmm. and imagine the kind of impact you can have if you're willing to be faithful and culturally competent for 50 more years. That mm. That's whew, that's worth giving your life for. Totally. And, and similarly, you and I had a conversation briefly in the hallway earlier, and you know, it reminded me again of some of those conversations I had you as a, as a skeptical, you know, 22-year-old of like, can Northview really be, you know, a great, church in the community can a can a large church really have such a great impact but just hearing you even dream about what the possibilities were 
or the things you were excited about or yeah there are challenges but mm. think about think about if if we can only do this and what we can do and there's glimpses here and there i mean you and i were just chatting earlier and and i'd love for just to hear you almost dream like what does the dream look like for you knowing full well we probably won't do all of these things we probably might we probably won't do them all <laughs> next year we'll try to do some but like just to hear that heartbeat from you of is the current state of northview your dream of like <laughs> yes we've made it or you know or once we've built the building then we're done so, or like what yeah one what of the things you need things? to know about me is that if 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 it was the perfect You'd be state. Gone. I would not be here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that sounds weird. Some people are like, I can't wait to get this thing settled so I can sit down on the couch. It's just not me. I'm yeah. a bit of a catalyst. And so I tend to be yeah. like, you know, I'd be here. I'm, I'm here as long as there's something valuable to give your life to, to see the changes happen. Mm-hmm. So there can are I, lots of different ways. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say one more thing. Like, I, I, I think the perception can be in a lot of ways and a lot of good things that have happened is that Northview has become known around the community as a faithful Bible church, preaching the Bible, teaching the Bible, so many f- amazing Bible studies that are so well attended and incredible life change happening in individuals and in families and in community groups yep. through the teaching well, that's and the learning of, of the Word. That's the effect of, of Scripture, although, Yes, right? And, it and it equips people for every good work, but I... Yes. So what I'm what I'm getting at is we're becoming known for that, which is amazing. Our precept studies, our men's Bible studies, all of these things are creating life change in the individuals here. But the people who in our community who are not actively involved in our church and know those things may the the outward expression or what the things you might hear as well yeah but northview they don't really have much of an impact in our community their outreach or their their local outreach and so that's kind of what we were discussing and, yeah and i'd like i'd love for you to just well, share some well first uh i would say that um i th- i think that some of the reasons that people say that is because they don't realize that uh we are actively involved in the ministry of our our city or in ministries around our city that we are not putting our names on. Yeah, totally. Uh, and so I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm like, um, we're not doing anything mm-hmm. uh, because we are, and we're involved in, I mean, seriously, we, we're heavily involved in Cyrus center. I mean, I can tell you all the different ways Cyrus center and salvation army and the food bank and a growing commitment to those, those ministries and in as much ministries and, we have interactions with the city. In fact, I have a phone call this afternoon talking to some guys who are involved in the city about different ways that we can be involved. So anyway, what I'm telling you is um, that we are involved beyond what you might think. However, one of the weaknesses of a church that's our size is that you can end up sitting back on your laurels and saying, is that even a word anymore? Laurels? Is that a word that you... I'm looking it's over actually, to Josh and just like, actually, what are you talking about? It's actually Yanni's. Okay, but you're sitting back... <laughs> But you know what I mean? You're just like relaxing and saying, look, we're really big. Look how cool it is that we're really big. And uh, my problem is, great, I, I love it. That's fantastic. I want to hear more people hear the gospel, more people grow in grace. Awesome. I want to connect people to Scripture. But I don't think that we're all that good at uh, impacting our community through gospel proclamation, even in, even in just places where unbelievers are or unchurched people are. And I don't think that we're uh, we're all that good 
in serving our city. So in the days ahead, right, this next year and stuff, I mean, there's a, we've got several ideas and what things that we're going to try to pursue. We'd like to do a serve day probably early next summer somehow. We want to get involved in uh, being partnering together with the city, figuring out some places and ways for us to serve faithfully around the city, uh, at least on one massive day, and try to celebrate what we can do, partner more. Ezra, I know, has been actively involved in talking more and more to, this, to the food bank and ways that we can do that. We're actually hoping to open a campus, another campus in, in an area of Abbotsford that's that's uh, more uh, socioeconomically, uh, a lower socioeconomically area. Uh, so that will help. We're hoping will open up some doors for ministry to some of the poor poor people in our community who can't drive up or wouldn't drive up to where we are now. So uh, we're super excited about the possibilities that those things would open for us. Uh, it's been a long desire of uh, ours to have more of a footprint in practical ministries around the city. And I I mean that by like feeding the poor and dealing with some issues regarding the homeless. And so we've been in conversations with the city about that. The city's actively involved trying to handle some of those things. So we don't want to work at odds with them. We want to come alongside and and be a help. So there, it feels very much to me like in the next stage of Northview's life, we are going to have more of a, more of a footprint in our community and more of a focus along those lines. So I'm super, that, that is something I'm really, really excited about. But the church, the planting, the church planting stuff too is a huge, huge deal, right? I mean, that's our goal is actually to see churches planted and campuses come up, come up all over the region, yeah. that are are doing the kind of ministry we're doing. But but that kind of ministry needs to be a, a holistic, right? It's not yeah. just the proclamation of the gospel; it's also the practical good works of going out into the community, both as a formal church, right? So North U's doing this. But also the people in the church going out, and which is probably to me the the bigger thing. I want to see people in our church living their lives on mission in our community. And by on mission, I mean like how why has God placed me as a you know being a videographer of this company? Why has God placed me uh, working for the postal service? Why has God placed me as a contractor? Why is God, like what is what is it that, that I can bring? What 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 area of the kingdom of God can I bring to bear? on this thing, on this work. And so hopefully in the days ahead, we're able to train more people to think that way and to focus that way. We, want our, we would love our community groups to be more focused outwardly in that regard, adopting different things around the community, right? Like, uh, you know, maybe you, your community group's got a special interest in a particular school, and so you just adopt that school. You adopt them. Do you understand what I mean? Like you go and you and you pray for them and you maybe connect with them and say, hey, is there a way for us to serve the teachers here? Or is there a way for us to, you know what I mean, help out? And you guys sometimes might need people who are out on the on the playground during things so the teacher can have a break, whatever, stuff like that. So our the days ahead uh, are really bright in terms of the opportunities and the focus that we want to have on those on those areas. Now, as a church, we have ministries and, and events all, all through the week and different things that are going on. Um, as far as the life of... Of Christians or, or members attending our church is it is it the church's goal that we fill these nights and these things with opportunities so that you have something you can do each night of the week within the church <laughs> totally. or is there a That's different the goal? goal? So busy your life. So up. for me personally, it, I had to step back a little bit and, and and reevaluate that in this season of my life and mm. say, is it God's calling for me? Is faithful living my life right now? Uh, Sunday church. Um, with 
the second service of, of doing Sunday school. So, so two services. And then uh, Monday precept Bible study with homework throughout the whole week, mm. a Tuesday night uh, community group, and then Holy cow, Adam. A, That's a lot. And then at one point, I had to drop this two years ago or three years ago, uh, being a, a high school youth leader on yeah, Thursday. Totally. Yep. You know, it's just like there's so many things that we can do. And then, and then this past year, I had to step back and be like, I really think this is just too much. So our goal is that we, we believe you should come to church. We believe you should be involved serving somewhere, and by somewhere, I don't mean just in the within the walls of Northview. I mean, like if mm-hmm. you part of that would be serving in our community somewhere, you know, take again taking the the kingdom of God with you to to bear on your baseball team, or mm-hmm. do you know you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be assistant coach of a baseball team. There you go. That's your service. That's what you're doing right now. You might also do Sunday school. You might also do, you know, worship leading. You might also do, there's all sorts of stuff that you can do within the church and outside. There's all sorts of needs in the world, right? That's what disciples do, though, is they serve. Uh, so Sunday services or Saturday or Sunday services, uh, um, the serving in the community or serving in our community, meaning the church, and then finally uh, some sort of community group. And by that, it can be formal, it can be informal. It just it's a place a community group's a place where you get to talk about Jesus with other friends. So they're kind of intentional spiritual friendships. So if you know listen if you're doing that in uh in a setting where you get together with you know, informally where you get together with uh you know three couples because it works for you guys, your kids like to play t- together and you sit around a meal and you think you talk about the sermon, cool. Like you don't need to be in in a formal community group, but well, the formal community groups are super helpful because yeah. they kind of schedule it for you. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, you know... And by community groups, I don't mean just community group program. Like precepts would be something like that or the yeah. women's ministry, yeah. the men's ministry. You don't need to do all of it. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah. a community group for me several years ago, Bonnie and I, I mean, at that season in our lives, we joined a community group and it was great. It was the formal sort of discuss the sermon questions and, and pray together and, and share a meal once in a while. It was a traditional sort of community group. And it worked really great for a season. And those are some of our closest friends and will be for, for, for many years to come. Really created a community that we have in our church. And it's a great way to get connected, meet people, be surrounded by other Christians. And then for us, we found, you know what? I, I think we're in a season mm-hmm. where... We can move on. Well, you've got three little ones, and so the challenge that you would have is ultimately like how do? How oh do, yeah, it became chaos. How do we get for all of us? We all involved. had kids growing but at the listen, same. Listen, there's ways to do that now. You know, like you guys, there's ways to have community. The point is, the point of a community group is community. Yeah. Right. The reason that you get together in a community group is so that you can have Christian friends, and deliberately so that you, it's not just a place. Hey, I've got Christian friends. We go out to a beer and we sit here and we don't talk about Jesus ever. Community groups force you to talk about Jesus because they ask you questions, but you don't need to have the formal community group to do that. Right. Like, honestly, I would love it if the people in our church ended up saying, you know what, I, I've got two friends from church, we're going to get together, and when we get together, I'm just going to bring up, hey, the sermon, what do you think of that point? Or, it's cool. You disagree? Cool. Argue it. If you don't disagree, if you thought, no, that was a really important thing, then talk about how that can apply. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I, I was researching a few churches a little while ago for something else, and, and I came across on their website, uh, their community groups were were on o- very openly advertised, each group, and they were, they were organized and presented by um, 
the interest yeah. that they they rallied around. So, oh, do you like knitting? Well, there's a community group there's where they get together group. and knit. And that would be one, mine. There's a board I game one. There's a soccer that. one, and they're, like they're they're intentional community groups. That right, have, and, and and there's an aspect to a knitting group, for example. Uh, I'm sorry, my mind is just swirring with the. New Zealanders used to make that joke. Oh, it's in a knitting circle. That's a that's like a boring thing, okay. the knitting circle. But anyway, the you, say you have the knitting circle community group. The the point of those churches that do that is saying, listen, this knitting circle community group is also going to have an outreach element and their prayer ministry and a and a and you know like a, we're going to try to bring the bring the gospel to the other knitters in our town yeah, or yeah. similarly to the baseball, whatever. And so, yeah, it, it's a, that's part of the, that mm-hmm. paradigm. We mm-hmm. don't do that, but it is very possible for you to get together with friends and to, you know, talk about the, the uh, sermon and do a Bible study, have a meal together. And, and, you know, if you're, you're, you're there because you're baseball people and talk about how, how, you know, the people in the baseball team are, doing and maybe pray for them. Um, that doesn't need to be formalized, is my point. Hmm. The community is community. Like, the groups are just a, f- a formal way to help you do it. Uh, some people are able to do that with, you know, the three or four, they get together with three or four couples individually and stuff, but the goal is to be intentional, intentionally spiritual about it. Hmm. Coming to a close here, what are you most excited about for this next year? Oh, man. What I'm mo- probably most excited about is the partnership that we are developing between other churches, uh, like-minded churches across Canada, to start a, a what we call a residency program to train church planners. Hmm. So I am, I we are on the cusp of doing something really cool in in Canada by uh, emulating uh, some systems and programs that we've had something really. Uh, close to do with uh, with other places in the states. We are going to be hosting a conference next fall, hmm. and by hosting, I don't mean at our building. That North Northview, along with a couple other churches, are hosting a conference at Westside Church in in Vancouver, where Tim Keller is going to be the hmm. speaker, and that's going to be along the lines of you know launching a church a church planting partnership with other churches that have a view to see Canada transformed. Uh, significantly, or at least Canadians transformed significantly by by local churches, p- gospel preaching local churches in their communities. So, like, I can't, uh, I start getting like all itchy when I think about how cool this is going to be, and how excited I can be. And I just, I pray the Lord's blessing. Uh, he's led us this far, and I just pray the Lord's blessing on it as we go forward. That's great. Now we for need those... a building too. Yeah. So we're gonna have to. We're going to have to talk about the building and stuff, which I am actually excited about as well. I know I'm not supposed to like building projects. I don't like them in the practicality of it, but I really am excited for what this is, the, the doors that are open and that the Lord has presented to us and that how this is going to set this church up for the years to come. Because, you know, we are the beneficiaries. Sorry, you let me do a little plug. But we are the beneficiaries of the vision people had 30 years ago yeah. to build a building. We're sitting in We're sitting in portions of the building, you know, Every day that we're, are there because people said, you know, we should we should do this and see if you know see if we can build something that is going to establish this church for lots and lots of years to come, and that's what I'm excited about being part of that and giving a gift to the people who follow after us hmm. to say that this is this is something that we 
that we believed in and we funded and, uh, you know, Abbotsford's going to be hopefully helped and, and the gospel is going to be preached here for long after we're gone because of it. That's great. Now, for those of us who are listening on our Christmas holidays or are looking for uh, a nice book to read or TV show to watch or movie to watch, what's something that uh, you think everyone needs to enjoy? Does it have Christmas? to be Christmas? No, no, not Christmas themed. Okay, no. so the best book I read this year was called Confronting Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin. Hmm. It's fantastic. It's a book that if you're interested in, I mean, apologetics is kind of the subject of it, but it's actually more... Uh, it, it it really does interact. She interacts really well with chief objections to the Christian faith, mm. both within and without the church. And it's awesome. It's a great, great, great book. Rebecca McLaughlin, Confronting Christianity. All right. Buy it for your friends and family for Christmas. Oh my goodness, I should get a cut <laughs> from all of that. <laughs> you just might. <laughs> all right. Uh, that's all the time we got for today. Thanks, Merry Joe. Christmas, buddy. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you for one of our many Christmas Eve services at one of our campuses. All service times are posted on the homepage of our website, northview.org. Merry Christmas.